This is exactly right. Hello and welcome to the Parent Footprint Podcast with Dr. Dan. I'm Dr. Dan, your host, and you are listening to Parent Footprint, where our mission is to make the world a more loving and compassionate place, one parent and one child at a time. At Parent Footprint, we believe the key to raising happy, healthy, and engaged kids is for us parents to seek the same in our own lives, happiness, health, engagement, and of course, awareness. And that's because we believe that awareness is the foundation for you to create your own vision of successful parenting. And with increased awareness and intention, you can leave a healthy footprint on your children. Today's show is called Good Homeschooling with our guest, Allison Morrow. And let me tell you about Allison. She is a homeschool coach and has created a one-of-a-kind program that helps families transition to homeschooling, which we're going to talk about today. And she believes that we can have a fantastic conversation with all of you, how you can own your educational experiences for your children and influence the choices that you make for their education, and how homeschooling can help parents create a better parenting footprint by increasing and deepening the connection with their children, which is completely in line with what we do at Parent Footprint. So with that, Allison, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Dan. Thanks for having me. So start with telling us a little bit more about how you came to this place in your life with this wonderful project, which I know has a backstory. And so... Please tell us your backstory. Well, I actually have uh, a background in education. I taught elementary school for three years. Uh, I taught middle school for two. And, um, you know, I I knew actually back before I had kids, before I was even married, um, actually before I even officially started my career, I already knew I wanted to homeschool. And so by the time we actually had children and we were in that position, um, I'm a research fanatic. So I started, you know, digging into everything and finding out more about homeschooling. We actually had very good family friends when I was growing up who um, who had homeschooled their children who were quite a bit younger than me, but I was able to kind of get a, a glimpse into what that looked like. And so, um, you know, the time finally came for us to, you know, go official with it about the time that our, our older daughter uh, was about seven years old. and that first year of homeschooling was an utter nightmare. <laughs> and I went into it a little cocky with a little bit of a, a chip on my shoulder because I thought, well, I'm a teacher. I know how to use curriculum. I know what I'm looking for. I know how to teach. Um, and it turned out that homeschooling, and, and I knew this in my head, but it wasn't until we really put it into practice that I realized just how much I had missed the distinction that homeschooling is not school at home. It's not about trying to bring that conventional environment into the home environment. It's about freeing your family up from that conventional environment and that conventional approach and really thinking outside the box. And that was not something that my brain had really wrapped itself around because I was so immersed in this whole conventional school environment and that that way of thinking and all that pedagogy. And so we had a horrible, horrible first year. And 
after we finally came out of that, we realized a lot of the families that we had gone to looking for some advice for some help all had a very similar story. Oh yeah, our first year was a nightmare. We we went through like three different curriculums. It took us forever to figure out what we were doing. And I started thinking, okay, there has got to be a better way to do this. Nobody wants to gamble, you know, their their child's first, you know, year or two of homeschooling, of their education on trial and error and crossing your fingers and hoping that this works. Like there has to be a better system. And I couldn't find one, so I decided to make one. And so that was the beginning of of good schooling. Good schooling. And and you hit a couple really important things. Um, one is the whole concept of homeschooling and people's um, preconceived notions about homeschooling. And 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 then also, of course, your what you created is good schooling. So I want to hear we want to hear about good schooling, but before we go to good schooling, tell us a little bit about these these notions about what homeschooling is. I know when I came into the field, I was thinking, well, it's usually um, somewhere off in in the country, in the wilderness, <laughs> in the mountains, and yeah. it's always has a very strong religious base and bent and reason for the homeschooling. And of course, there's some truth to that, right? But there, it's so much more. So yeah, I mean, homeschooling in the United States, it really got its its modern uh, rebirth back in the 80s. And it was from the religious right who started pulling their kids out of public school because they weren't, you know, they weren't happy with the direction that curriculum was going. They weren't happy with the fact that, you know, their their children were not really grabbing onto their Christian values as much. And so families started pulling their kids out to homeschool. So there is that uh, that kind of background that has really pervaded until now. And, and you're right, that is still one of the myths that a lot of people believe, that uh, it's only religious fundamentalists who are homeschoolers. Um, and, you know, and, and the girls, you know, are basically just learning how to take care of a house and how to be a wife and, you know, and all of this kind of very backward thinking. And unfortunately, yes, there were some families that that was their approach. And thank heavens, that is not what homeschooling is about. On the, on the whole anymore. I would say that it is still uh, very dominated by, um, by Christians. However, in the last 10 years specifically, we have seen a huge influx of people who are homeschooling for lots of reasons that have nothing to do with their family values or, well, I shouldn't say their family values, but religious values necessarily. They value education. They value their children's safety and mental health and physical health and emotional health. Um, they value spending time as a family. They value um, giving their children a wider, broader education than just these textbooks and these ideas and these interpretations and uh, and these schedules. And, and so they want to travel or they want to go live off the grid or they want to start a family uh, business and work together. And so there are so many reasons now that people are homeschooling um, that are, are much more, um, much more in line just with the idea of giving really a, a better, more, almost avant-garde kind of education, that it's not just about sitting in a classroom, listening to a lecture, filling in the bubble on the tests and that sort of thing, but it's really engaging with life, engaging with relationships and creating an educational um, experience that is much more well-rounded and balanced. And and with that, this whole idea of homeschooling also can push people away with the idea that, well, I don't want my child just at home, and, and I, I, I can't be the teacher. And again, there's so much more than that to homeschooling. And I think we probably haven't come up with 
a newer name for it? You know, what, what's right. your take on that? <laughs> that uh, you're absolutely right. You know, I, sometimes I wish we could come up with a better name or just a different name that so we could kind of divorce ourselves from all of these ideas that have really kind of muddied the waters about what homeschooling actually is. Um, I'm sorry, my brain completely stopped. What was your point? <laughs> um, my you, point you was. Yeah, my point was the whole idea that um, it happens at home and the parent oh, is right, the right, teacher. Oh, right, right, right. That very conventional approach. That's right. I'm so, I'm mm-hmm. so sorry. <laughs> no, no, okay. no. So please, t- so, and this goes into, you know, good schooling. Um, I imagine what you do and how, you know, tell everyone how, how you believe programs should be put together to make this, to, to make this enriched experience, life experience. Sure. So I think one of the best ways that you can create this better school, this good schooling approach for your children is not to lead with curriculum, not to lead with structure, um, but instead to let your child lead, to let them kind of guide you through what it is that they want to learn. Um, One of the ways that unfortunately this gets a little bit tripped up is that every state has its own homeschooling laws. There's no federal overarching um, regulation of homeschooling. And so some states, like here in Texas, uh, we have virtually no regulation at all, which is fantastic. Parents are free to, to create just an incredibly customized, personalized uh educational experience for their children. In other states, you don't always necessarily have that kind of freedom. But once you figure out what those lines are that you kind of need to color within uh, in your state, then I always encourage families to to first think about, you know, what's your methodology? What are your goals? What are your philosophical thoughts on education? And then what's going to suit your child best? What kind of personality do they have? What kind of learning style do they have? And then you take these ideas and you you put them together to create this very personalized, customized approach to education that allows your child to learn in a way that resonates with how they were created, that allows them to put their strengths forward, to lead with their strengths, with their interests, their passions, um, to let their natural curiosity guide you. Um, instead of just saying, okay, today from 9 to 9.30, we're doing division, and then from 9.45 until 11, we're going to read this novel and discuss. And I'm not, and I'm not saying that there's not a place for doing things that are more structured like that because there actually are some children who love that kind of environment. But when you let yourself think outside that box, you start realizing that education is so much more than just that. And when you allow your child to be the one who is guiding you, then you're not only creating an environment that is going to engage them more um, and motivate them more, but you're really creating this lifelong love of learning that is going to serve them so well, you know, into adulthood and beyond. And what you've described, I know works for so many. And I know so many families who have said, oh my gosh, I can't believe we didn't do this a couple years ago. Uh, and then there's this subset of families and kids that um, they don't want to do for a variety of reasons, whether they've had some school trauma, whether they might have some learning issues, or whether they are a highly creative, um, independent spirit, and they don't want to do school stuff and actually won't do school stuff without a lot of conflict. And then it moves into what many of us call unschooling. And so I'm wondering what you, to those folks who are out there, that group, um, those are the ones that are often saying to me like, Dan, so what do we do? Do we just let them do whatever they want? You know, every day is like, is that, is that going to work out? 
That is such a fascinating approach to education. In my heart, I am an unschooler. It does not play out well for our family, unfortunately. So it's not a, a method that we have <laughs> that we have been able to uh, to implement the way I wish we could. But I do know some unschoolers, and the the thing that can be kind of hard to grasp is that you know when we put children into a forced education model, and even if I mean it doesn't have to be like violently forced, but I mean just where they're not the ones in control, where they're being told you learn this way, you you know you do it this way. Everything is spoon-fed to them, and so they don't really need to exercise their creativity very much. They occasionally have an opportunity to do so, but because, I mean, it's your creativity is like a muscle, and so if you're not using it consistently, then it starts to atrophy, and so... Children who are in a very conventional school environment, over the years, they get their natural curiosity and creativity kind of stamped out of them because they, they don't really have an opportunity to ever use them. When we protect a child's curiosity and their creativity then and, and nurture it and give it a, an environment in which it can thrive... Now, you're not necessarily going to get a child who's going to want to learn every, you know, uh, every type of math and every uh, type of academic subject, they're not going to naturally create themselves into this well-rounded individual. But what they are going to do is they're going to be able to seek out the things that they really want to learn, which can give you as the parent kind of an opportunity to kind of sneak in in this, you know, creative parent ninja way, <laughs> different ways that you can, uh, that they can engage with other academic, um, other academic areas through that thing that they love. You're not necessarily going to be able to check off every little skill that they would typically learn if you were using a book related curriculum or, or a conventional education, but because they have this natural curiosity that is being fostered and nurtured and allowed to lead them, um, when they come up against a time that they do have to really kind of buckle down, like if they decide they want to go to college and children who are raised in an unschooling environment can and do go to college, but they may find, oh, okay, in, in order to get into this program I want to get into, I really need to have, you know, trigonometry or something something that's that's bigger or more than they've than they've ever done but because they have been intrinsically motivated to pursue that path and to and have been allowed to um to keep their love of learning intact they themselves are likely going to say okay well i need this so i'm going to go do this mom can you sign me up for a, a trigonometry class i got to learn trig so i can get into this program and then they'll power through it because they have a goal that they have set they have this intrinsic motivation to do it and so it's when you're raising children in this very, I don't want to say there's no conflict. Obviously, when you have people together, there will occasionally be conflict. But when you're giving the child space to be who they were created to be and to let their creativity guide them and lead them, then they are much more likely to to find on their own and, and engage on their own with the things that they need to get where they want to go. Well said. And you're speaking to another issue that comes up a lot in my office and in these conversations is the idea of, but what about the holes, right? What about the holes? So if they're not taking all of the standard math classes and they're not taking all the standard history classes, how will you fill in those holes? And you just, you just said how those holes are filled in, uh, one way right. those holes are filled in, when someone is ready, <laughs> 
It's funny because people, I, I do hear fa- parents say that same thing. Well, but if we don't use a curriculum, how are we going to know that they've learned everything they have to learn? And I always ask them, okay, can you tell me everything you learned in history in seventh grade? And they don't even remember what what the theme was that year. Was that world history? Was that ancient history? Was that they don't know? And it just highlights the fact that what we call learning in a conventional educational system is really just rote memorization that you then purge to make space for the next thing that you need to memorize, which you then purge so you can make space for the next thing you need to memorize. When you get out into the world, do you need to do you really need to know those things? And it's not that no, you don't need to know anything that you you learned in, in education, but the question is, what are the things you really do need to know? Your child needs to know how to balance a checkbook. They need to know how to create a budget. They need to know how to balance cost and, and profit. They need to know, um, you know, I always say people who don't know their history are doomed to repeat it. So they do need to know history, but less, they need to learn less about specific dates and people and more about cause and effect and how people in general you know, act in certain situations and and things like that. It's not this very nitpicky fact after fact after fact that really builds an education. It's an understanding of those deeper layers, the the reason behind things, the root causes that are more important, and really the ability to think and to reason and to apply logic. And as long as your child comes out of their education knowing basic math, knowing how to read and write and understand what they read, knowing how to think logically, and knowing how to learn, then anything else that comes, they're, they're going to be able to figure out because those are the base skills that allow you to do anything. Exactly. I'm pausing for everyone to, to soak that in, right? It's <laughs> about life. It's about life skills. It's about thinking critically. It's about learning how to relate to others and engage with life, which is something you said um, at the at the top of the show here. And when you speak like that, and as I listen to, uh, as a parent of three individuals who um, have a conflicted relationship with school, I would say, <laughs> over the years, <laughs> um, it's, it's putting the fear aside, really. I mean, I had to acknowledge right. the fear and worry that people have about... How are they going to learn what they need to learn? Of course, you just defined some of what that is and some of what that isn't. Um, how will they, if they want to go to college, how will they get to college if they are not in a brick-and-mortar school with all of these regulations? Um, so there's a, lot of, there's a lot of fear in there when people sort of step outside the system. Right. That's one of the things that I, that's funny you say that I just yesterday had a conversation with a couple of moms whose sons were getting ready to go into high school and they've been homeschooling since the beginning. So these are veteran homeschoolers, people who know what they're doing. And they were both panicked about their kids starting high school. And they found out a a mutual friend had introduced me to them at at a little play date that our kids were all at. And when they found out I was a homeschool coach, they said, oh my gosh, can you help us? We are, you know, we're, we're so confused about high school. And, and, and what it really came down to was that they were terrified that they were going to completely jeopardize their children's college education by somehow screwing up their high school. And I was so glad that I had the opportunity to talk with them because, um, that's one of my favorite things to do is to kind of allay these fears and, and help families to see that, first of all, colleges nowadays are starting to seek out homeschoolers. 
because they are intrinsically motivated. They are, you know, all the things we just talked about that when you create that space, um, they're able to keep those things intact. They're curious. They like to learn. These are the kids that go to the front of the room and they have no problem engaging in a, a conversation with their professor in the middle of a lecture because they're used to doing that. The professor, quote unquote, was their mom or their dad. And they would ask questions in the middle of a lecture or discussion all the time. And so they have no problem really engaging and and wanting to learn. And so because of this, colleges more and more are realizing these are great students who really know how to learn, who are, know how to apply themselves. And so first of all, you, you realize that you're setting your children up to be in a very uh, small, elite group of people that colleges are looking for. And then realize that particularly with, um, I would say, with smaller, like liberal arts colleges and smaller private schools, they're very likely to have a little bit of wiggle room in their admissions. Uh, not that they're going to in- admit somebody who is not academically up to their standards, but that when you look at their checklist of all of the things that you need to have, if you show them, well, you know, we're homeschoolers and, uh, you know, we don't necessarily have every single one of these little things on this box. However, my children spend eight years taking, um, you know, these leadership classes or my child uh, self-directed himself to create a class for his community, for other kids in his community on, you know, his favorite uh, video game or whatever, you know, and he, he created this course and he actually went out and, and advertised it himself and ran it out of our living room. I mean, these are kind these are things that homeschool children have not only the creativity to do, but the time to do because they're not tied down in a classroom for eight hours and then coming home and doing two hours of, of homework and then going to soccer practice and dinner in bed. And so your child, you have this opportunity to give your child really a leg up, not something that you have to be super, super nitpicky with and, and worry about checking every single box. When you allow them to be unique that's what stands out. That's what colleges are looking for is that uniqueness. Um, and so whenever I see parents panicking, I, I just want to help them turn it around and realize you have an incredible opportunity. Not This isn't something to be afraid of. And and the uniqueness, and you also speak about the confidence, the self-confidence, um, how to be in life, how to get information they need, advocate for themselves, uh, be independent, for lack of a better word, this thing mm-hmm. that we're all supposed to raise our kids to be independent. And uh, again, this this misnomer that I hear all the time, which is that the only way for kids to be socialized in a way that they're going to be successful in life is to do it in the context of a brick-and-mortar school from <laughs> K through 12th. And if you yeah. don't do that, you don't get the socialization experiences to be successful later. Uh Right, like that you just, just you just turned it uh, upside down, and I agree with yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's so funny because I always tell people, you know, when I was a teacher in the classroom, I think the one phrase that I said more than any other phrase was, "Y'all are not here to socialize. <laughs> You're here to learn." <laughs> You're not here to socialize. Mm-hmm. And so whenever people bring up the socialization thing, I'm like, okay, look, I can tell you from inside the classroom, the last thing that we want children doing in a classroom is socializing. We do not have time for that. <laughs> I have curriculum that I'm being forced by the district to get through. I do not have time for these children to talk and form relationship. I need them to look at me and listen. And when you think of it that way, you're like, how is that socialization? Like, that's not life, <laughs> you know? <laughs> hmm. So how... Do people who are have been, I know there's several people listening to the show 
who have been thinking about this, and it is a big step. How, what is the first step? Uh, or not? Let's do the first steps, but also give them a couple more, right? Like, so that we want to reduce some of the trepidation and concern about this path that more and more people are taking every day. So that's one of the things that up until now has really been lacking in the whole homeschool world is this idea of what are what's the structure, what's the the the, the first step, second step, what's the um, the method that you use? Because if you go to all these different blogs and everybody has a different suggestion, do this first, then this, then this, and that was actually why I created my confident homeschooler program was to give people a system so that it is very step-by-step and structured. And um, so basically what I, what I do in my system is I walk parents, first of all, through figuring themselves out because you are going to be, you know, like the principal of your homeschool. And so you need to know about what kind of a homeschooling parent you are. Um, But then you also even more importantly, need to know about your kid. And what's sad is that because families spend so little time together, a lot of times parents don't even know what kind of a learner their child is because they haven't been able to spend a lot of time watching their child learn since they were little, since they were toddlers and learning, you know, every new thing that a child needs to learn at that age. But as they grow up, they're they're not really seeing them in a classroom. They don't know how they engage with new information. So learning about your child then allows you to see ahead of the game, see down the road, where's the conflict going to be? And you probably, I mean, parents usually know, well, this is how I butt heads with my child, but you're going into a new environment. And so it's important to see what kinds of conflict, what kinds of new types of conflict might we see? Because my child is like this and I am like this. And when we figure those things out ahead of time, that takes a lot of the roadblocks of that first year out so that your first year goes much more smoothly. But it's also really important to figure things these things out before you start looking at curriculum, which is usually the very first step parents take. First thing they start doing, because everyone assumes, well, you have to have the curriculum, so that must be what I need to start with. When you start with curriculum and you don't start with what kind of a learner your child is, what kind of a teacher you are, and what your philosophy is, then you're just going to end up going to Google and typing homeschool curriculum and getting a million things that come up. And how in the world do you choose, you know? Right. So my whole system really was, that was kind of my driving force really was figuring out how to set parents up for successfully uh selecting curriculum for that first year so that first of all, they're saving money. Second of all, they're saving time and frustration. Um, because again, I want that first year to be super smooth to, to go as well as it possibly can go. Cause if you have a good first year, you're going to keep going. And then knowing how to use that curriculum, knowing how to color, like I said before, color within your state's lines, obviously that's a really important step. And so when, when parents are looking to start, then it's really all of these little things which aren't necessarily the most exciting things. Like everyone wants to dive into curriculum because that's the real juicy stuff. Like that's the that's the stuff you get your hands on that's really fun. Um, but if you don't figure out these other things first, then chances are you're going to spend a lot of money on things that you're going to end up not using. We spent, I'm not kidding, probably close to $1,000 our first year of homeschooling on curriculum that by the end of the year, we weren't using a single piece of <laughs> So that, and that was one of my driving reasons for wanting to create this system. I thought, my gosh, how much money are we all wasting just trying this very hit or miss approach? So not only will you coach folks, but you also have these products that can help people start to plan and what to think about first, second, and third. 
Yeah. Yeah. My coaching program, there's actually, when you coach with me, you actually have three different avenues for coaching. You have my online course, which is where I took the, the coaching I've been doing for the last three years. I created a uh, an online video-based self-paced course that parents can go through. It's broken down into little steps, short little videos. You're not sitting in front of the computer for an hour watching me drone on. And then you work through a workbook that I've created, dozens of downloads, all sorts of resources. Um, but then you also have a private Facebook group that is just for people going through this program. So everybody's on the same page. Everyone's using the same method. So we all kind of understand where we're all coming from. And I go in there and I do group coaching and live uh, live streams and things. But then you also get individual coaching where I get on the phone with the client and help them work through whatever it is that they need. I don't have like a, a specific program I go through on the phone with them. It's they call and say, hey, I'm in module number five and I'm really struggling with how to create my, my methodology or, um, you know, we're trying to find resources that look like this and we just can't. Can you help us? Whatever it is that, that clients need, I kind of fill in those gaps um, and help them finish paving that foundation so that when they launch, it's smooth sailing. That is what everyone wants. Smooth sailing. <laughs> exactly. All right. We're going to shortly, you're going to tell everyone how to find you. But before that, it is time for the parent footprint moment question. That question is, tell us about a time when you became aware of yourself as a parent or as an individual, and that new awareness had a positive impact on your child? Okay, so I've been thinking about this, and I, I realized that I had decided at a very early age, like early elementary school, that I wanted to be a teacher. Um, I actually started volunteering in my little brother's preschool class when I was in first grade. So we're talking like I had wow. that idea quick. Yeah. Yes. And it wasn't, yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't until I had five years, I think it was, of teaching under my belt, none of which I had enjoyed, <laughs> that I realized I didn't actually enjoy being a teacher in the typical classroom sense with all of the stuff that comes with being a classroom teacher these days. But what I did enjoy was uh, the theater of teaching. I enjoyed having an audience and you know, kind of being on stage, essentially. And along with that, I really enjoyed instructing people and teaching them new things and giving them those aha moments, particularly if I could do it in kind of a dramatic way. And it made me realize that there, I'd, I'd had a very brief month when I'd been like a senior in high school, when I had considered becoming a theater major in college instead of an education major. And I realized, man, I may have actually been onto something. I had only ever been in one show in, in high school, and it was like a bit part. I was not some big theater geek. But it made <laughs> me realize that my career path would have been completely different if someone had asked me at some point why I wanted to be a teacher and had helped me really huh. drill down on that desire and discover that the thing about the career that I identified with most, that I was most, ex most excited about, had nothing to do with children because – Oddly, I actually was not super fond of children and that I hated confrontation, um, which teachers engage in all the time with parents and students um, and their own administration sometimes. And if somebody had done that then and helped me realize what it was that I really wanted, I would have realized it's commanding a room. It's being able to guide people and having a checklist of activities to get through every day. I love a good to-do list. Um, having, you know, access to unlimited amounts of office supplies, things like this. Like those were the things I liked about the idea of teaching. And if I had known that, 
then I would have realized that the things that make someone a really good teacher, like wanting to change children's lives, wanting to connect with them on an emotional level, wanting to give of myself to my career in that way that teachers, really good teachers do, I would have realized that's not what I wanted. And I could have saved myself a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of frustration if somebody had helped me drill down on that. And so because of that realization, my husband and I are constantly pointing out to our girls the skills that they have, the the things that they excel at, the things that they enjoy, and then talking with them about the different ways that they can put those passions and skills to work. And whenever they say something like, I think I want to be this when I grow up. We always ask, well, what is it? What is it about that job that you like? What is it that you you like the sound of? What do you think your day would be like? Because I want them to think outside the box of just those common, most popular jobs that they kind of hear about and glom onto because they just don't know what else is out there. And I want them to see that there are so many different things that they can do that can that they can um, that are going to be just as unique as they are, that they don't have to pigeonhole themselves into these specific big name careers that they just know about because they're common and that they can they really can look for ways that they can engage their whole selves and the things that they really love um, and not just find something that kind of sounds like it would be fun and hope that it works. And so um, I would like to think that this this practice that we do with them is going to help them to marry their values with their career uh, with the end goal being that they don't have to spend, you know, years in something like I did before they realize, Oh yeah, I really should have taken myself in that direction instead. I love that. And, and just the questions that you shared to everyone, the questions of what do you like about that? As opposed to, well, do you realize you need to go to school for this and this and this, and then you need to do this and this. It's just starting with, Oh really? What calls you? What appeals to you? What do you think it would be like? I love that. I love that. And, and, and it, it goes right back onto your child or the child instead of us playing into, again, kind of the structure and the system um, and gets it back to helping them discover what's important to them. Right. Allison, thank you so much. I am so excited for everyone to hear about your program. I mean, not only just our community at our center, but our whole parent footprint community. There are so many people out there, of course, on this parenting road. And everyone is on this educational path of what should I do? Is this the right place? Is this the right direction? And uh, your resources are, are, are wonderful and so going to be so helpful. Um, tell everyone how they can um, find them and find you. Yeah. My website is goodschooling.net. Uh, and if you're on Facebook, I actually have a Facebook group that is specifically for new and prospective homeschoolers and what I call the homeschool curious. And so we talk about all the kind of big overarching questions and myths and things like that there. And so if you go to Facebook, just search for Exploring Homeschool. And I believe I'm the only group on there that has that type of a name. Awesome. Everyone, you just heard about good homeschooling from Allison Morrow and key, key, key to her philosophy and principle is to help your kids engage with life and relationships and meaning. And everything else will come if they have that. And you lead with their passions, their strengths, their curiosity, and connecting in life in a meaningful way while learning life skills. The rest will come. 
Okay, as always, you guys know where to check us out at Parent Footprint, www.parentfootprint.com, where we have our Parent Footprint Awareness Training designed to help you be intentional about your vision of successful parenting. As always, try to be the person you want your child to become and ask yourself this guiding question. What footprint do you want to leave?